A lot of times we try to say this race for equality, but in actuality, we need equity, which is a subtle difference. The assumption of equality is we started at the same place. And that's a false assumption. Welcome to the Fully Alive Man podcast. This is a podcast to help men to become fully alive by doing life together. This is part two of a conversation that you just heard a snippet from of our friend, our colleague, Tyreek Wesley, who works with the transit team here at North Point Community Church. And we are continuing a conversation with Tyreek around how to move towards racial unity in a time of racial division. We're trying to figure this out as a group of guys who are trying to seek understanding through the difficult but life-giving conversation that we're going to continue today. And if you are tuning in now and have not listened to part one, Go back, listen to part one, because this is a continuation. So guys, let's continue and jump back into the conversation that we had with Tyreek Wesley. Okay, Tyreek, so this is a struggle that I have in this process and I need your help with. Changing the definition of racism, because up until this point, it's real nice to go, no, I'm not racist. Mm -hmm. And your definition of being more aware of what I've passively been a part of that is not malicious or wrong, I'm realizing that I have not loved, but I've actually hurt unintentionally. I've not advocated for. I have made statements that I had no clue were hurtful, but I've hurt maybe you other friends over the past years and decades of my life as I've come across stuff, there's a sense of that that feels horrible or guilt or shame. And I don't even want to talk about this. I don't even want to broach it. And then we're not even having conversations. That's right. That so we're perpetuating as a white guy the, the majority of my life, which is just we've avoided the conversations. Or I have it with other white guys and we just talk about stuff and we have confirmation bias and encourage each other's perspectives. All these things that you're saying are not loving, not encouraging you and feel racist. Mm -hmm. Oh crap, what do I do with that? feels heavy and shameful yeah. and scary to me. Yeah, and I want to add this too, like not only seeing racist as like thoughts and thoughts and feelings in your heart, but also seeing it as a power, like power structures and structures mm -hmm. that... um privilege others and disenfranchise other people and so seeing that side as well it's like That's yeah right. individually in my heart i need to check myself and once that happens i should be able to look around in society especially in america and say okay how did this play out in the way structures are created in the way things are resources are distributed all those kind of things which and, we talked about jim crow briefly in the last one but what exactly. about like affirmative action yeah but i think affirmative action is an attempt in response to try to correct the scale right um, a lot of times we try to say this race for equality, but in, in actuality, we need equity, right? Which is which is a subtle difference, right? Equality says, all right, we all going to start on the same playing field, but people have been playing the game for 400. You know, it's like Monopoly. It's like, I, like everyone else can go around the board and buy property. I can't. And then we say, all right, everybody can buy property now, but all the property's been brought up. People have money and I don't have money. So it's like the idea of equity is to say, all right, if there is someone who has been mistreated like if one of your kids has been mistreated yeah that kid needs special attention that kid needs more than what the other kids got because that kid has gotten less right and so when you talk about the shame and when you talk about how like when you when you hear about dr king and history and slavery and how it makes you feel 
ashamed and things like that. Well, the first thing is like, there is such thing as white guilt, right? Where white people get this information and it's like, I feel so guilty. I feel yep. so guilty to be white. And the truth is that doesn't help anybody. Like guilt and shame doesn't help us move the conversation forward because really what it does is just paralyzes. It just mm-hmm. makes someone say yep. like, oh, I'm just, I'm a bad person. And it doesn't push you to lo- to leverage the privilege that you have or the resources that you have or the voice that you have to become an ally to somebody else, right? Yeah, because that's hard. Exactly. And why why do I need to unnecessarily and, if it's... And I think you need to realize like, why, like you and as an individual, Robbie and Lee, um, y'all didn't own slaves, right? Like y'all didn't establish these structures that are negatively impacting people, right? So the response is like, okay, this may be a part of my history, but I want to be a person that affects change in this. That's and so right. the more that I can understand it, the more that I can speak up against it. And I think the answer, I think a strategy for a lot of white parents in raising white kids is, well, we're just not going to talk about it. And we're just going to be, you know, we go, we just need to get non-racist. Like that's mm-hmm. just, that's like, but non-racist isn't going to work for our country. What we need are people who are going to be anti-racist, like mm-hmm. people who are going to actively go after and pursue things that when they see it, it's like, oh, that's, that's problematic. Don't treat those kids that way. Or, Hold on. Wait. Yeah. Why are all these people being locked up and being treated this way? Yep. Why are you using those type of words to describe these people? That's not right. And if if white folks can get that type of mentality where it's like, okay, not only I'm not non-racist, like I'm anti-racist, like I'm against this, and I want to raise my kids to be that. And um, that's a huge principle because you're that that touches on the thing you just talked about, which is the difference of equality and equity. Yeah, equity because equality, I would go. Well, we're just going to raise kids that are not racist. Exactly. But equity means I'm going to advocate to balance out something that is not balanced. Exactly. It's like talking about fair. We're so past fair. It's not an option. The assumption of equality is we started at the same place. That's right. And that's a false assumption. That's right. So equity says we have had we have done things as a nation that have disenfranchised or pushed down people for skin color all kinds of things how do we fix that now in your small group like y'all probably not gonna y'all not that's a huge issue and a huge problem it's gonna take a lot more than you having this conversation now for you and your small group the first step in this thing is being able to openly have conversations about race Mm -hmm. and for you to begin to reflect on your reflecting yourself like okay am i holding views that am i anti-racist like or am i just not seeing color which isn't helpful at all, you know, and, and speak it's, more of that. So like kind of like what Lee said in, in uh, part one is like as a white parent, it was like King Day would bring so much tension in his house because his kids are going to learn about, you know, segregation and Jim Crow and how, you know, they could potentially start seeing themselves as having white guilt or Even a bad the guy idea or, of taking advantage of someone else because of the color of their skin. It's like, shoot, I yeah. don't want to bring that into their mind. Yeah. So the response is like, you know what? We don't see color. We, in this family, no one sees color. We treat everybody the same. Yep. But really what that does is that that really whitewashes everybody. It doesn't allow us to celebrate difference. It doesn't allow us to see that it's okay that I'm black. It's okay that you're white. It's okay that they're Latino, right? And so and it doesn't allow the it doesn't allow your kids or yourself to be able to have lenses to even see how society plays out negatively for some people. 
So and you don't want that in so, order to balance out the equity. Exactly, because equality. We have is to see no skin color, which is the way I was raised. Which is like yep. we're a healthy Christian, it, yeah, non-racist. Everybody's equal. There's no difference. Yeah, period. Equality is no race ever took advantage of another race. Well, now let's go. No, let's acknowledge. No, we acknowledge that this was bad. Something, but right. now it's fine. We will not see differences. We will not. But the subtlety in that is then I listen to stuff that says affirmative action is more hurtful for black people than helpful. I'm like, wait, what? Black people are the one advocating for it, but us white people are talking about how it's probably hurtful for black people. This is weird. Like, am mm-hmm. I confirmation bias with too many white people talking about something that black people, and I'm not and it, yeah. listening to their perspective enough to understand it? And I think for, and I would love for y'all to speak into this, for, for white folks who have experienced privilege, yep. I think when equity begins to happen, they begin to feel slighted or they begin to feel like right. it's not unfair. Is that, is that true? Like yeah. even in affirmative action, it's like, it take something from me. Exactly. And if it's not a felt need. Why would I give something from me if it's not a felt need? Exactly. Well, and, and, it, and it's not taken into, Oh, go ahead. And Luke. do you guys want to talk just for a second about what privilege is? Because 75% of our audience just said, I'm a white guy, but I haven't experienced privilege. Right. So something, and this is, this is a, an easy example is privilege could be as simple as when I was a kid growing up, there were no black band-aids. All the band-aids was white. Yep. All the band-aids was made for white skin, right? That is, that's a silly, simple thing, but that is a, that is a but thing. It's never occurred to me. Right. It's, Give it, me some more. But that's one that's just like, oh, this is just the way that it is. We're going to make white band-aids, right? Yeah. And privilege doesn't mean you don't work hard. I think that's the thing that a lot of white men struggle with it when they hear the word privilege it's like no i did this i did this i did this and they don't even realize that like it's a privilege in that if i walk in a room for a job and you walk in the room for the job yeah they may have negative assumptions about me just because i'm black that they may not have about you just because you're white yep now you still gonna have to do the interview you're still gonna have to answer all the questions you're still gonna have to have all the criteria but i'm coming in already at a disadvantage because they're saying oh black people could be like this this and this even if they never articulate it they can hold that in their minds. And yeah. you can even think about it in hiring in a church, right? Yep. You ask people and you hire people from your network. Yep. And I read a statistic one time that said, oh my gosh, I think it was like a 70% of white folks is, has all white networks. Like everybody they yeah. know is white. Yeah. So if I'm building something, yeah, it's gonna I'm going to, all we need someone to do lights. We're going to bring them in. You're not realizing like, oh, it's a white guy. That's and LinkedIn, then, Business 101. It, it, exactly. So then you, as it grows and as it builds, you look around and it's like, wait a minute. There's yeah. no there's no minority. There's no one different than us on this staff. This principle is so good. And, and until you bump up against it, it's not a real thing to you, which is exactly the problem because you don't feel the negatives. Yeah, and the fact that you don't have to talk about it is the biggest example of privilege that there yes. is, right? Yes, like, that's right. Something as simple as like how I have to raise my son Tyson to navigate certain situations because he's going to be a black man one day. Like he's cute now, but let Tyson gang, let Tyson turn 16 and Tyson could be six two, 200 pounds. And that little white lady is going to, or anybody could, could, yes, they're going to see Tyson differently. Yep. It's a privilege to be able to just to tell your kids like, Hey, like if you ever get pulled over by the police, just make sure you're not blocking traffic. Just that's fine. So I think that's a big point for groups to talk about at this at this place in the conversation and Tyreek and I were bullet pointing a few things earlier, but one of them is just realize that your experience is not the same as everyone's experience. Acknowledge what is real 
And just because we all grew up in America, it doesn't mean we've had the same experience. And we should talk about that. And I think if we love Jesus yeah, and we have a life that's devoted to Jesus, or we don't allow ourselves to become sensitive to people who are marginalized, when we don't allow ourselves to um, become advocates to people who have been disenfranchised by whatever, right? It discredits the gospel yeah. because what ends up happening is you stand up and you wave your Christian flag and there's and so many people are looking like, yo, they're they're hypocrites. Yeah. Or it only applies they're only applying this to white folks. They don't mean like they don't even see how they impact everyone else in this negative way. And so yeah. I feel like if we if we really love Jesus and we really want to build the kingdom of God and we really want to see people fall in love with Jesus, this is something that we have to get right. That opportunity, what you just said, of the opportunity to represent Jesus by how we love others and the gospel in advocating for learning about the marginalized, you would say, hey, white guilt, shame, not helpful, but real. Mm -hmm. And that's why you're avoiding it. But the cost of avoiding it is the missed opportunity to represent Christ and the gospel in loving other people. So as hard as this is for a white guy who only knows that I have no clue how I'm coming across because of decades of experience that I'm not aware of, how does it feel for you as a friend in this podcast of me trying and leaning in? And this is more just a personal example of that guys are probably wondering of going, I, the the nervousness to enter into this in order to love better. Yeah, I, I think the attempt to ask questions, the attempt to learn on your own, because that's the big thing too. Like I feel like some... Some people would just say, okay, let me just wait till my black member of my small group comes before I ask questions and not like you've read books on your own. You've sought after podcasts that shows that you're taking, this is important to you. Um, and for me, it's just like, oh man, this is someone that I can trust. This is someone that even though they may not get it all or whatever, he's trying, he's trying and it's somebody that I can, I can trust to come to. And if it's, if you, and if you're doing something that's offensive or whatever, I can say, Hey man, this is how this feels. And it's vice versa. If that's I good. do something, like it, it just leads to better accountability. It leads to a better relationship, and it leads to more open openness and better casseroles. If that's the thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, Tyreek, I love you. Guys, we could keep going, but we want to take a little break and then come back. We want to equip you guys with a place to start to have this conversation. I've been at this for years, and the more I'm into it, the more I realize I don't understand. But that is encouraging, not discouraging. And we want all of us to have a place where we can start to move towards love, to move towards an understanding of this conversation by having a conversation. And we're going to set you guys up with those questions. But first, we're going to pivot and take a couple minutes for a section we like to call Man Hacks. Lee, a man hack is a tip or trick to help you guys to become better at life. Tyreek's going to have one. Lee's got one. And I've got one. What do we have for the guys today, Lee? What you got? All right, guys. This is what I got for us today. I assumed everybody knew this, but I was in a conversation with a guy recently, and he was blown away by this thought that, honestly, I thought most guys are going to hear this and go, no, everybody knows that. But this is really easy for several reasons. But all you got to do is use soap instead of shaving cream to (laughs) shave your face. Do you guys do, does anybody use shaving cream? Do you use shaving cream, Robbie? No. No, you use soap, right? No, I use an electric shaver. Oh, you use an electric shaver? Yeah. Well, in the shower, if you shave in the shower like like I do, 
Just use soap. It's better for your face, and really? it's easier. It's cheap. It's the simplest thing in the world. And you don't need Never a washcloth. Never buy shaving cream again. So washcloth to the face or you just You already soap to don't the face? have a washcloth in your so shower, We already Robbie. established <laughs> honest. There's not a washcloth in your house. You wash the car with it. Why do, you, why, do you use a wash, why do you use a sponge to wash your car, Robbie? That's true. Why not just to the get the dirt the off? Tyreek, what do you got? Tyreek, what's your man? What you got for us? So if you're ever in a heated conversation with your significant other, this is a hack. It this happens. is what I've learned. It happens to me. It happens. And things are getting a little too... Not with Shakira. Oh, what? No, All the time. Come on. All the time. What I have learned is the only way that I'm able to get out of this and we're able to actually find common ground is if I begin to pause and repeat what she says before I say anything else. Oh, That's yeah. a man hack. Come so on. she that said... That is a man hack. It's like, I got to say what she said first and that allows me to understand what she's saying. And then when she says yes... Then I can say, okay, I can make my point. And most of the time when this is happening is by doing that, I realize like, dang, I'm tripping. That's what's But up. it creates the space for me to have that in the Good middle of the Good old reflective heat. listening. <laughs> That's it. 101. 101. I'm still thinking about Let's the go. first episode with you, Tyreek, where you're talking about Ty- Shakira trying to fight people. She's so sweet and petite. No, not Shakira. Listen, don't, don't, you get spat on. People will fight. <laughs> All right. So here's mine. It also has to do with uh, the spouse. So, we do date nights with our wives and the conversation, how it goes. Uh, Tyreek and I have a super strategic friend in our men's group, Benj Miller, Syrup Marketing. He he founded that company. If you have any marketing needs out there in Atlanta, Syrup Marketing, look it up. This guy's a strategic genius. He took this into a, a trip with his wife and I'm stealing it. And I've passed this to some guys. It's gold. So you're on a date night. You're on a trip with your wife. If we're introverted, what are we going to talk about? How's it go? So here's what you do. This is a date night hack. So player one, person one, picks the category. Shoes, whatever. Pick a category. The second person asks a question related to that category. So if I say with my wife, hey, here's the category, shoes. She asks any question to me about shoes. What's your favorite pair of shoes? That's right. Then I answer the question. Then... You are not allowed to talk any more about that category. I can't ask her the fault. Well, what's your pair, fa- favorite pair of shoes? Nope. You can't ask the question. You move on. Then she goes, uh, vacation. That's the topic. I ask her a question completely separate from shoes. So you can't go back to the same category or the same question. Once you pick the category, you pick a category, your spouse asks a question about it. You give an answer. The game's done. You do that again. Rinse and repeat. It is Awesome. I've tried it and it is a game changer. Really? Binge, thank you. It, Ooh, it, and okay. Binge has been doing it for like a month yeah. with his wife. Like randomly they do it and it's Erica. this game that has brought them together. I got another one. Oh, Come on. Four man hacks. Let's do a record. Here we go. What you <laughs> Here got? we go. So if you ever just are trying, you're just hanging out with your wife and y'all want to do something that's fun. It may not sound fun, but it actually leads to an amazing conversation. Do a crossword puzzle together. Because what ends up happening is you're asking, you're like you're doing it together. It's like what, what is that? And then know. you're like trying to figure it out. And then someone may Google yeah, something. I like it. Hey, I'm going with Benjis. Me and my wife. Me and my wife have had because not the big ones. Them take too long. I'm talking about like little <laughs> ones where it's like who won the 2006 NBA MVP. It's like I don't know. Because what ends up happening is you may 
surprise your wife with the random stuff that you know and then you end up I don't know smart. we should have stuck with three man hacks you don't we think so out, yeah, you I'm haven't done a crossword puzzle that's it. why alright I'll try it I haven't done a crossword <laughs> puzzle in a very long time <laughs> guys we hope you enjoyed this section we like to call <laughs> man, man hacks I was like try it again this is perfect man hacks so for the guys in groups, we have some questions that we want them to be asking, talking about. Robbie, why don't you just sort of read down these postures that we would like for men to take before they even start asking the questions? And, and, and this is, this is going to be tricky and challenging. And this whole conversation has been tricky and challenging for, for a lot of us listening to this. And that's why we have fought to just give three takeaways on posture. Uh, what is the posture we should have to move towards love to what we're called to do as believers for the sake of the gospel? Then we're going to be talking about three questions. What three questions should we ask each other as a bunch of white guys or in the presence of a diverse group or with black guys, whatever that looks like? And the third one is, what are three resources for learning and growing? What are those going to be? And Lee, the, the three postures that we... Um, have been talking about with Tyreek out of the three postures. The first one is don't take it too personally. Tyreek, you just said this during a break. Tell us what that means to you and what your thoughts are. So often when this conversation is so hard to have that for a white person, they feel like their whole identity is being attacked, right? Their view on the country that they love is being attacked. And that's mm -hmm. not true. Like, and, it, and maybe it is true. It is to an extent, this idea that you have is now being challenged and shaped in a different way but i think it's a it's in an honest way mm. but i think if you take it too personal then you become defensive and you're not opening up yourself to listen and learn and realize that okay maybe i have seen things wrong and i need to make some adjustments but the so it's almost like suspend what it is you're feeling for the moment just to listen and understand almost try to look at it objectively if yeah. possible, something like that. So quiet the white guilt or defensiveness hard thing, long though. enough to try to be objective. Yeah. And that's any type of hard conversation. The moment that you become defensive, the conversation shuts down. Right. And if you really want to love well, I would say if even if you find, even if as you're having this conversation and you're getting upset, begin to ask yourself why. Like, why am I being upset? Like, what is what is going on inside of me where I can't even engage in this conversation without having this emotional response. That's good. So the first posture, particularly for white guys listening to this, is don't take it too personally in this conversation. That allows you to be more objective. And acknowledging that can be tough. Oh, yeah. I mean, Real hard. It's a, yeah, it's an emotional subject. And it's charged. And now the second posture kind of stands on the shoulder of the first one. And the second posture that we talked about uh, with Tyreek off, off air is he said to seek to understand before trying to make a point. Tyreek, unpack that one for us a little bit. So often in these type of conversations, um, people don't want to listen. They just want to make points. Mm. And then no, and then we're not having a conversation. We're just yelling back and forth at each other. And so in order for us to grow, in order for us to learn, we have to be able to say, okay, the whole point of me in this conversation right now is to understand a different perspective. So I'm not going to just try to differentiate or I'm not trying to distance myself. I'm going to just sit with it and think about it and listen to it um, before I try to make a point. And that posture, that quote reminds me of something I've heard Andy Stanley say numerous times to just ask, ask the question of ourselves, do we want to make a point or do we want to make a difference? 
because we all want to make a, a positive difference, a difference for good. Um, so seek to understand before trying to make a point. So the third posture that we talked about is to be honest about where you are at and reserve the fact that you might be wrong. This is a big one. Let's be honest with where we're at and reserve the fact that we might be wrong about this. Tyree, how does that feel in white guys having that posture in a conversation with each other about this? I think it's just it allows it to continue. I think if if any time that we just dig our heels into the ground about any position, it's like, oh, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. You're not going to allow yourself to fully understand what the other person is saying. But if you could just suspend that and say, okay, maybe I am missing something, that allows you to lean in a little bit more. So healthy for all aspects of life, particularly this yes. racial conversation, because I'm not going to understand what it is like to be a black man in America as you are ever. Man, if I don't realize that I might be wrong about your experience as a black man in America, then that then I'm not in a good starting point, y'all. That's and, right. And that's where most of us spend most of our life in those judgments and assumptions. And that's just good advice for life. I mean, yeah. yes, this conversation, but whatever we're talking about. So guys, those are the postures that we hope to have, particularly as white guys, uh, in this conversation and dealing with conversations about race. The next section we're going to talk about is providing you guys three questions that if you listen as a group to this podcast, in addition to the normal, what does this mean for me personally? What am I going to do about it? And how can we help? We want to set you up with three questions to jump into this conversation on race. Lee, what are those three questions? Yeah, and these are great for conversations and discussions, and we will include these on the show notes so that they're easy to pull up for you guys um, as you're in your group. So the first one is, what is your own story with regard to race? How has it been for you growing up? What have you, what have you learned? All of, all of that. So what is your own story with regard to race? The second is... Why is it hard for you to talk about this topic personally? Mm. Um, and ask that in a first person. Why is it hard for me to talk about this personally? Mm. And then the third one is a question that we, we've talked about around here a lot, but with regard to this specific subject, what does love require of you with regard to being more, as Tyreek said, anti-racist? we want to be anti-racist. And so what would love require of me with regard to this topic? That's awesome. Those are the three questions, the three postures we went over, which is don't take it too personally, seek to understand before trying to make a point. And then the third is be honest about where you are and reserve the fact that you might be wrong. And we've got three more things, which are the three resources. Tyreek, what are the three resources that we should look into to dig deeper onto this topic? Yep. One is you can go to Netflix. You can watch the documentary 13th, which is all about mass incarceration. It's a it's a heavy documentary, but it's a great. and um, It will make you think. Yeah, it's a lot of good information in that one. Um, if you're a reader like I am, it's a book called America's Original Sin by Jim Wallace. Did you read that book? Yeah. OK, yeah. So this is this is a, really good. This is a white dude who has taken the journey, who talks about his journey, who gets it. And I think it'd be an amazing read uh, for your for you and your group. And last is a podcast. It's called Teaching Hard History of American Slavery. Ooh, and really, I heard that one. Yeah, really what it is, it's, um, it's these professors. And it's, it's written, or it's, it's t- the audience for it is, uh, is educators, but it's a lot of amazing information. They tackle a lot of questions that you may have in historical context. That is so good. Guys, this is amazing. Three postures. Don't take it too personally. Seek to understand before trying to make a point. 
and then be honest about where you're at and reserve the fact that you might be wrong. If we can do that as men in community in a trusting environment where we're not trying to fix each other, but we're just trying to move towards love, then we can harness the power of being vulnerable and sharing these things with these postures. And if we have those postures, we can ask these three questions, which are, what is your own story with regard to race and how has it been grown up? The second is, why is it hard for you to talk about this topic personally? And then the third is, what does love require of you with regard to becoming more anti-racist as we talked about? Guys, if we have those postures and then leverage community to tackle these questions and then do further research and understanding from the 13th film on Netflix or the book America's Original Sin or The New Jim Crow, which I loved, and uh, Original Sin is by Jim Wallace, and the podcast Teaching Hard History, American Slavery, then we can collectively leverage our relationships and our environments of trust to move towards loving more effectively as Jesus loved and moving towards healing in a in an environment that historically has been divisive, and that is not of the kingdom. And we have the opportunity uh, as black guys and as white guys to move towards each other and move towards the healing that God only has in store for us as the body. And as we wrap up and thank Tyreek for your wisdom, your heart, all your words, we couldn't appreciate it more. We're going to end on a little bit of a lighter note with three questions we ask all of our guests. We did not prep you at all for these questions, yeah. but here you go. So the first one is, what are you currently reading or learning? Uh, I'm currently reading a book with my nephew. It's actually um, it's Kobe Bryant's new like young adult fiction book. <laughs> awesome. It's Cute called book. Uh, it's called the Wizenard series training camp or something like that. And it's actually a really good book because okay. it's, all, it's all about how it's like basketball meets like Harry Potter. So it's like a wizard, but Love like it. basketball, but like all these life lessons. Love it. So second question is what advice would you give your 20 year old self? Oh uh, man, my 20 year old self at 20. I didn't know anything. Um, I would say be patient. Huh. I would say be patient. And I would say good. make money. Figure hey, out a way, figure, hey, tell my 20-year-old self both those two if you run figure, into them. Figure out a way to make money. I feel like I achieved a lot in my 20s, but I didn't make a lot of money. All, right. all, all these education on being a teacher and a pastor, yeah. you're like, wait a minute. You're smart. Yeah. Could've, yeah. Could've, Go get some money first. All right, got so some degrees the, that lead to something else. The third question is $100, $100 purchase to spend on yourself, whatever you want. What do you got? Man, uh, $100 spent on myself. I'm probably buying books. I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I, I love to read. Book man. Yeah, I'm going to buy books or I'm going to buy, like, I'm going to try to buy some shoes. Like, I'm going to go to, like, Foot Locker or something like that. And I'm, Birkenstocks? I'm going to try to buy. Definitely not. Sandals? I don't think I own a pair. <laughs> yes, I do. So. I don't either, for the record. <laughs> Tyreek, this was amazing having you. Yes, Lee, thank you. This was a ton of fun. Guys, we are going to leave you with a couple minutes of wisdom from our sage friend, John Woodall, in a section we like to call Wisdom from the Woods. Last year, I had the pleasure of attending a leader weekend where John Lynch from Trueface was the speaker for the whole weekend, but in his last session... Uh, he said something that really, really captured my attention. Um, He offered this question to the men to go back and ask those around us. The question was, 
How am I affecting you these days? Wow, what a question. How am I affecting you these days? Jeff Henderson taught us years ago the question, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And I think you guys know that those are important questions. Those are very vulnerable questions. They're very courageous questions. So I thought, well, let's do it. So I went to my wife, shared her this, where I heard this question, how am I affecting you these days? And she reluctantly shared with me, I feel like you have a bubble around you. And, um, you know, as much as I wanted to defend it or say something about, about it, she said, I feel like I run into the front side of the bubble and you have resistance and no. Then on the back side of that bubble, there's gentleness and kindness. So sometimes I feel like I'm dealing with two Johns. And I have to tell you guys, when I heard that, it was challenging to hear in the moment, but I knew she was right. I went to another friend of mine, Pete, told him this story, and he lovingly said to me, John, I feel like you have a force field around you. So I just want to let you guys in on my journey. I don't have this figured out. If you ask me, hey, do you know what's behind the bubble or what's behind the force field? No. Uh, not fully. I have some ideas. I'm seeking a counselor. I'm listening to my wife. I'm listening to my friends. But I want to encourage you guys to be thinking about those questions, asking those that are closest to you. How am I affecting you these days? And what's it like to be on the other side of me? And try to listen. Listen carefully. Listen courageously. Listen humbly. And see what information you can gain in ways to grow. Think about that. We hope you enjoyed this two-part conversation with Tyreek. We are so thankful for his friendship, his impact on the ministry at North Point. He is amazing as a friend and as uh, someone who has helped me start to have the scales fall off my eyes in, in having at least a step towards a greater understanding of what I've not understood as a white guy in our country. So we hope this did the same for you. Like it, subscribe it, share it with your friends, and tune into the next episode. Thanks. Thanks.